turn with me, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, we just got a really kind of a good start out of the introduction last week. Um, like to try to do is finish out chapter 1 and hopefully break in if, and, and get into chapter 2. Um, there's a lot here, and I feel like sometimes that, uh, and especially as many times as I've read this book, in the course of my preparation for this study, I think I come across something every time, something different that I even modify my notes sometimes to uh, hopefully bring out. There's a lot here. It's basically what I'm trying to say in a terrible way. But there's a, there's a lot of meat here for us to consider, a lot of things for us to, to digest when it comes to uh, this book. Chapter 1, um, I'm going to continue with, with verse 4, um, and uh, want us to want us to think about this morning as, as we get into this. We've just basically covered the fact that uh, as uh, this writer opens the book up, he has... Uh, talked about the ways and the various ways that uh, God had spoke to those in the past, uh, the fathers by the prophets, and he's kind of looked at some things here that, uh, again, as we consider the writer, consider the, uh, the readers, the recipients of this book, uh, those of Hebrew, the, of Jewish origin, and those father, that, those who, that would have... Uh, have a good idea and good understanding of uh, exactly uh, when we think about the old law, we think about the mosaic time frame, uh, would have had a, a lot of information, knowledge under their belt. And so this writer continues to seek to uh, talk about the various ways, again, here, and we see in verse 1, the various ways that God had spoken but in verse 2, and these last day has spoken to us by his son. And what he is working to do, and we're going to see this throughout the book of Hebrews, is show how that now that this son, he's appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds, being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is working to show the superiority of Jesus Christ over those who had basically at one time he used as spokesmen for God, those that were the, the prophets. Um, we're going to talk about angels here shortly. And uh, again, the superiority of Christ in that realm. Um, In verse 4, as we start into this, this next section, the Hebrew writer has fully established Christ's authority, his deity, and his superiority. Tells us that the sons receive superior status. When we look at verse 4, it says the son became much more superior to angels as the name that he's inheriting is more excellent than theirs. 
Think about that as he's a radiance in the glory, exact representation of his nature. We think about that, we look up that exact representation or exact image of his nature. It's the same thing as somewhat of thinking of a stamp. If you stamp something on a piece of paper, you have an image uh, of, from the original and we think about Jesus being that exact representation of, of God's nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Um, Colossians 1.17, he is before all things and in him are all things held together. You know, he's, he is, uh, you think about upholding, upholding uh, all things by the word of his power. When you contemplate Jesus and you think about his capabilities, his power just from his word, he can make all things happen and he upholds it. He makes those things. Think about the functionality of our world. He has the capabilities in his word and the things that he says to make sure that those things are fully functional, operational in, in who he is. Again, as we think about that, in, in, as, we, as, as we contemplate that, uh, you know, looking at prophets and the prophets are now considering that as, uh, with regard to angels. Um, when he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, when we think about what had happened again, as he tries to, to implore to these, to these the, the recipients of this letter, these, these Hebrew Christians, he is trying to instill in them and build them to understand the importance and the, the impact that Jesus has over anything that's been that's prior to that. Anything that had been with regard to uh, the 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 the, old, the law and the prophets, the old covenant, the the Old Testament. Um, he is trying to to get them to understand. And again, with this being a message of encouragement and edification, that he tries to exhort them. To, be, to, to keep their walk. We're going to see in chapter 2 where he talks about all of this. In chapter 2, he's telling them why they need to do that so they don't drift. And, and we'll, get to that, we'll get to that later. But when you think about the, the priests and you think about sacrifices that had to be offered daily, those, those priests basically stood. They were busy. They were involved in things where Jesus, in one time, in it, what he did to purge our sins, made purification of our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. One time, and he took care of business. It was, it was done, said, done and accomplished. Having become as much better than the angels, verse 4, as he's inherited a more excellent name than they. You know, the son inherited a more excellent name and became superior to the angels. It's, you know, it, I think it's difficult on the surface when we see this, um, that we know Jesus is God. It's, it's uh, how can the author say the son has inherited a more excellent name and become superior to angels? How did he, how did he inherit a more excellent name? Uh, 
makes, makes him creator of everything. He created the angels. He created us. He created the earth. He created everything. So that makes him uh, more superior than angels or men or anything, anything in the spirit world. Okay. When we think about that and appreciate that, Leanne. Um, you know, he's going to say in verse 5, to which of the angels did he ever say, and we get in here to a, to a list of some things, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And, and when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. When did he ever say that to these, when, when we see this? When did he ever say to the angels, you are my son? Never. Today I've begotten you. Where did we ever, where have we heard that before? When did we ever hear, today I've begotten you? about Jesus. We think about, you know, that they looked at him. I've begotten you. I think if you look at, and, and we recognize this uh, as well, uh, Acts 13, 33, God hath fulfilled his promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus and is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, what did that accomplish and what did that mean? What if, let me, let me step back. What if he hadn't have, what if that had not have happened? No hope. But we know and we read that he did. He was, he was resurrected. And that changed that, again, we talked about the purification that he provided, the purification of sins, and then we think about him being raised from the dead. All of that came to fruition. I think it's important when we see that and we recognize even here in, in this, in verse 5, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. Which did he, angels did he ever indicate that that would happen? None. And he again brings the firstborn into the world. He says, let all the angels of God worship him. What do we see from that standpoint? We see that, we see that the angels worshiped, worshiped Christ, were declared to worship Christ. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels wins? and his ministers a flame of fire. Um, I think one of the things that, that we see here as well, you know, it's, it's not that it's nonchalant, it's not that it's minuscule or it's a trivial thing, but I think, you know, you know he says here in verse 7, a quote from Psalms 104, verse 4, he makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers what do we know about 
You know, and, and, and Leland took us through a series. Uh, I want to say it, we finished it up last year, I believe, with regard to a series on angels. And uh, there were a lot of things that, you know, he, he brought out in that series that, uh, you know, I, th I thought was, was really good to think about and to contemplate. But I also think that when we, when we think about who angels are, what angels do, I think sometimes, and from what I've gathered from this book, we can see what angels are sometimes easier than we can see what they do. Um, some of that's kind of a mystery. Some of that, we, you know, we can only assume. But yet, why, and again, I'll bring this up a little bit through this chapter, why would this writer continue to focus on angels versus Christ? What were the thought process of these individuals, these recipients, these, these Christians, what did they think with regard to angels? How did they revere them? From things that I've written, from things that I've read and things that I've, that I've looked through, um, they, were, they were revered highly. They were looked at as basically almost second to God. And when you, when you have a thought process like that or, you know, and then this writer comes along and he writes the things that we're studying, the things that we're talking about, it makes for some, you know, I guess some challenges maybe for these readers to grasp this. It's made me wonder as well, when we, since we don't know who wrote the book, if that might have offered some validity as to why there's not, a, a, you know, the, 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 the author's not identified because it would maybe provide maybe less credibility if, that, if individuals maybe had a, you know, looked down their nose, so to speak, or had a difficult uh, view of a person um, or the, our particular writer. Let's you know. Let's assume it's Paul and those. You know, maybe those. Look at look at what Jason just brought us through uh, with regard to Second uh, Corinthians and all the things that they took Paul to task on. You know, again, I'm surmising. I'm saying some things here that uh, may not you know may not even be involved in this. But I think you know when I when I think about this book and I think about now these angels who are held in high esteem. They're held at a level that this writer is saying is below, is underneath Jesus Christ. Um, that may cause some eyebrows to raise. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> I think when you look at the writer here, he first goes to the prophets, messengers of God, and we compare it to Jesus. It was God versus man, and he's a better messenger. I think when we look at angels, they look back at Sinai and, and many of the Jews felt like the angels ordained the word. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen actually says that, I think in about 53, 54, and again in 58. Yes. So I think the writer is trying to tell us in a way going through the prophets, the angels, Moses, Joshua, and on, that he's more important and here is God with us compared to the angels. 
Yes, good point. Appreciate that. Yes, very much so. Any other comments? So as we, as we continue here, uh, we look at and we think about the angels uh, uh, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. What do we know that, uh, you know, you know is, is it God talking about, is this writer talking about the way God has used angels to uh, flaming vengeance, taking vengeance on those that don't know the Lord, taking vengeance and applying some of his things like that, um, while they're granted, you know, a status, um, these are things that God uses them as messengers, uses them as servants as well, and uh, I think it's something that for us to for us to contemplate with regard to that. But he's but of the Son, as he finishes that up, of the Son, he says, "Your throne, O God, is forever and ever." I think. One of the things that really stands out to me here in that particular verse and that particular statement, um, when we look, in, and again from Psalms 45 and verse 6, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of, of uprightness is a scepter of your kingdom. Your throne, O God of the son who said that where's the what's do, do you understand the impact of that statement god says that about his son god says oh god your throne oh god is forever and ever he calls him he calls him god and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom Verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. I want us to think here. I want us to think here for just a minute. Um, Actually, before I before I get to that, let me finish out through. Let me finish out here through verse ten. And you, O Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. I'm going to go. To, I'm going to, actually. I'm going to finish up through verse twelve, and then I want us to go back and look at a couple things. They will perish, but you will remain, speaking of the heavens and your works, and they will be become like an old garment, and like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. I'm going to stop right here for just a second, just to, I think to, I want us to bring out just a few couple things that I want us to think about. Um, and I think when we see the nature of Jesus, um, the, these verses through basically 9 through 12 looks at the eternal nature of the Son. 
he laid the foundations of the earth. He laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of his hands, the sun's hands. The sun is eternal and the sun is unchangeable. Um, I want us to stop here for just a second. I want us to think about what we read in verse 4, again, with regard to having become much better. Speaking of the Son, as we just read verses 1 through 3, having become much better than the Son, that much better. In, uh, in the course of this study, um, I want us to think about when we think about better and we think about how much that needs to, I guess, really pound or try, we try to pound that home or send it home. We try to really make an impact as to what this writer is trying to say with regard to Jesus, his superiority. Think about these are various passages within the book that will tell us and show us how much better, and that word continues to be pronounced throughout the book of Hebrews. And I think when he's continuing to exhort these brethren, these Christians who are dealing with persecutions, dealing with uh, maybe struggling with where they are and where they've come from, and the things that uh, are before them, these are the things that he continues to just bring out continually uh, throughout the book. And I think he's, he, you know, he does that for a reason. He's doing that so they understand, you know, just exactly where they've come from, what they had, and now what's before them. And if they take advantage of that and really take a hold of that, they'll understand that it, that it is, in fact, a, 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 better, a better covenant. When we, when we think about these, these things, and I'm a little behind on my slide here, um, when we think about Christ being an unchanging creator, um, as, we, as we read here and we recognize that that is a term that's that he's been given, uh, but at the same time, when we see that uh, he has this eternal nature, he's laid the foundations of the world, the heavens are the work of his hands, he's eternal, he's unchangeable. All the creation is temporary, but the sun will always remain. And I think that's interesting when you think about that statement, um, he laid the foundations of the earth, the heavens, in verse 10, are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all be become like a garment, and like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you're the same, and your years will not come to an end. 
Something that kind of struck me again with reading this, and especially this particular section of Hebrews chapter 1, you know, when you, when you contemplate evolution and you think about evolution and what those that, that follow it are proponents of evolution, one of the things that you'll see in that, in that realm is that in their thought process, the world continues to go through regeneration. It goes through renewal, renewal process. And this writer says just the opposite. And when you think about the world, you think about the earth that's been created, you think about what, where we live now, this temporary abode, he says that they will perish. They will no longer be at some point. Psalms 102, verse 26 says, even, again, re reference back, and, I, and I'm actually going to go up and read, um, I'm going to read 24 through 26 of Psalms, of Psalms 102. I say, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you will endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be changed. You are the same. And I just think it's, you know, again, interesting when we see these sections of Old Testament, Old Testament law, Old Testament, from the Old Testament covenant, we see the law, and this writer continues to return and make passage and bring out passages from that law to these readers and to the to these Christians. Um, and I think it's I think it's really interesting to see that his approach and what his what his I think tactics are here when he thinks about who he's actually preaching to, who he's exhorting, and how he goes about doing that. They will be a mantle, like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed. But to which of the angels, verse 13 says, but, which, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. I'm going to look again at Matthew 22. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. Uh, the, the actual Old Testament, uh, the Old Covenant passage here that we have for us to first to consider and for what he offers them is uh, Psalms 110 verse 1. And he says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And again, talking about, you know, the, the dominion, so to speak, the dominion that, that, uh, that Jesus, the king, our king, has. Um, to which of the angels, as he asks these brethren this question, to which of the angels 
Did he ever say that to? What would you say to that? I, I wanted to go back before um, before it's it's too late to talking about the Lord establishing the earth and that it would perish, that it would wear out like clothing, that he would roll them up like a cloak. To me, every time I hear somebody talk about climate change, this is what comes to my mind. And I think we are so excited about climate change and all that we can do, and I don't think there's anything we can do because I think it's a work of God. Okay. I think this tells us that. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? As I go back to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand? Any of them? Nobody. None. That's correct. None of them. And again, looking at the impact of what that would mean, you know, as he brings that out to these readers and to these Christians, that's never been the case. And again, he continues to, I think, build on Christ and build and continues to build to make them understand the superiority and how much better this covenant is, that this Jesus is, than what they have been under and what they have been accustomed to in, in their lives. And then when they became Christians, these were the things that they should have embraced. These are the things that should have been a part of their lives. But in some, some facet, some way, they are possibly drifting away, drifting back, thinking about where they've maybe come from. Um, and, uh, you know, the challenges that face them uh, that might tend to make them give up on this, this incredible blessing that he's trying to tell them you need to continue the, continue the fight, continue to endure so that you can recognize and, and, and have a part of this. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits? And again, he goes back and kind of sums up what he said, the first part of uh, verses 4, uh, in, in chapter in chapter one, as he talks about how they are are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service? And I think I took away a couple of things here in verse fourteen um, that I think is I, I think is important. Um, and again, as we talked about as we as we talked about angels this morning, and we've talked about um, you know what they do. Uh, angels, uh, things, you know, what are they? Um, this is something I think that we can take that I, you know, that it's pretty, it's, it's interesting. I think we can uh, really put in our lives to say, you know, they're working for us. Um, but it says they're ministering spirits. They're sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. So we've got angels that are rendering service. They're ministering spirits. But that last part, and I don't know, 
You know, if somebody asks me this, I'm going to tell you I don't know. Um, I, but for the sake of those who are inherit eternal life, I just think that that's a, you know, what he brings out here, and we think about uh, the eternal salvation, inheriting salvation. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Switch over to a couple passages that I want to read in regard to that. Um, as I look at, uh, as, as I it cl close out with some thoughts here in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 14, with regard to those that inherit salvation, the job that they have, uh, Titus 3, verse 7, so that being justified by his grace would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Think about uh, Matthew 25, 34. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Titus 3, verse 7. So that being justified by his grace, we be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I just read that one. My apologies. Um, but I, I want us to think about, you know, when, when he shows them that uh, he shows these readers the, the quality and the attributes of angels, um, I just find it interesting when we think about, you know, are they, they're ministering spirits for God. They're his messengers. They're thing, they do things based upon his word and what he, what he expects or asks of them. But he's also, uh, it's also based on the fact that they are also rendering service for us in, in those that will inherit eternal salvation. How did they go about that? I don't know. I don't know. I just find it interesting to read that. But they're involved in, I think, you know, I take away from that when it says that they're going to render service for the sake of those and I would say, I hope and I would say that everybody in here would raise your hand and say that you're striving to inherit eternal life. You're trying and working hard to, to be, with, be with the Lord one day. And in that process, angels are involved in that work and in assisting us in that, in that realm. I'm going to stop here for any comments or questions before I move into chapter 2. Okay. So, <clears throat> chapter 2, and I'm, I'm going to start chapter 2 with basically uh, the first word that you would see. Uh, I'm going to roll back really quick to another one of the translation that I have. And uh, verse 2, verse 1 says, according to the New King James Version, therefore, what do we know about that word? Would it have anything to do with the last chapter we just read? I would say it does. And that's uh, really when I think about... Uh, his start of this, um, what does he say? 
we must give the more, more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? I want to stop right there. Um, so when we think about therefore, we think about him referring back to the first chapter and looking, say, at whether, you know, whether he's referring to verse 14 or he refers to just the fact, I think, of, of this chapter in its whole. Um, I think it's information that we can take that will, uh, I think it's pointed that he says to these individuals, now that, now My, my, my translation, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, says, for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift from it. So I think what he's trying to say to them here is that if we don't pay attention, the chances of us drifting are, are great. When we think about the word drift, uh, paying close attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift. When you think of the word drift, what comes to your mind? What was that? Okay. I, I like the last part of what you said there. You don't realize it. What else could describe drifting off course? Okay. I heard a voice back here too. Nobody? If you're drifting, you're out of control to some degree. It may not be, it's usually not a trace of speed, but it's, it's usually you've relinquished some control, and you're letting something else control you to whatever destination it determines. Okay. So when, when, he is, when he is saying to them, pay attention, what's he telling them to pay attention to? The word spoken by Christ. Okay. So in, when we look at verse, uh, we go into verse 2. If the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty... And I'm going to stop right there. Somebody tell me what that means to you. To me, it reminds me of uh, all the different times angels have spoken to people before about things that would occur. And whether they believed or not, or whether they, you know, for instance, Sarah being told she would have a child, she laughed. Uh, Zachariah being told he would have a child, he laughed and was punished with silence. Um, you know, the, the people at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, when Lot was 
told by the angels it would be destroyed. They had to basically force him out. His disbelief would not prevent that from occurring. Okay. I think he's going to say here, and it looks like we're just about finished up here. Um, the doors are open, and I see the kids coming in. Um, going to try to finish up Chapter 2 and get into Chapter 3 next week. Uh, but just to kind of wrap this little section up right here, I think when he's talking about if the word spoken through angels was important, and I'm going to use kind of my language here, if it was important and it was essential and there were just there were there were issues, there were penalties, there were for, for disobedience and not following it. Every transgression and disobedience received a penalty. There was something that occurred there that you were in trouble, that you had a problem. But he says, so if that happens through angels, if that happens through, uh, and as he already has brought out the superiority of Christ. How are we going to escape if we neglect to follow or adhere to Christ? His message and the things that has spoken through him and confirmed to us by those who heard. Again, thinking about apostles, thinking about those who, you know, that preached the word that, that were, you know, from Jesus himself. From, you know, Matthew, Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. All the things that we see that were confirmed to us by those who heard, then how are we going to escape so great a salvation if we overlook that? So we'll start with uh, verses 3, 4 next Sunday, and I appreciate your time and your comments.